Good morning on this Thursday morning. Welcome to our devotional Golden Nuggets, food for thought and for the imagination. If you joined us yesterday, we were looking at Matthew chapter 14, the story of Jesus walking on the water after they had dealt with the multitude. He had sent off his disciples and uh, he had gone off to pray alone uh, up in the mountain. And in the third watch of the of the morning or the fourth watch, I'll have to go look at this again. He uh, he went to go see them, or actually he was walking across the water to go to the other side because that's what he had commanded them to do. He said, I'll meet you at the other side. So the disciples were going. Uh, it just happens to be that the the ocean and the water or the sea uh, developed a storm. We are aware that the enemy can influence the elements, the physical elements of weather. We see this in the book of Job, where he actually causes uh, some type of a great wind, whether it was a tornado or whatever it was, to blow upon the house of the, the, the sons and daughters of Job. And of course, he kills them off. On several occasions, we find that Jesus is on the ocean or on the sea the or on the water. And a storm just out of nowhere just arises. Of course, once again, the enemy trying to kill off Jesus. But yet, on one of those occasions, we find that Jesus is asleep on a pillow on the back of the boat. While his disciples are fearful, the storm is raging at its full blast. Now, this is also something that we can find in the in the book of Psalms, where we're told in Psalm, I believe it's Psalm 46 in verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Now, when you read that whole Psalm, it talks about the nations raging. It talks about the waters uh, roaring. It talks about earthquakes and the mountains disappearing and the islands and in other words, it's talking about a terrible time of a possible awesome earthquake when literally, I mean, it causes. And yet, God says in his word to the heart of the individual, he says, be still and know that I am God. He's almost saying, don't be afraid of that. I'm the one that's in control. If we reach a point in our spiritual walk, with God, where we know that He is our Heavenly Father. I say our because we belong to the family of God, but also know Him as your Heavenly Father. Stop and think about a little child, a little boy, a little girl that is always depending upon Daddy or Papa. Or father, depending on how or how they call him. Uh, or as the Hebrews say, Abba. They, the little children, that love their father and their, their father loves them. They will trust their father in any and whatever. The little child may be scared, but as soon as they see father's arms... And they run and they are embraced and they're held. And they know that they are loved by their father. 
They know that they are protected. They know that they are secure. And the fear may still be gripping them, but little by little it subsides. It seems to just disappear because they're relying on that full confidence and trust that they know their father. They know that their father loves them. They know that their father cares. They know that their father will protect them. They know that their father knows what to do. Now that's in the natural. As we develop our love, and relationship of knowing our Heavenly Father, the same begins to fall across. That's why in one of our studies we talked about in First John, in chapter 4, verse 18, that perfect love casts out fear. Fear has torment, but perfect love casts it out, and we are made perfect, or we, when we are perfect, we walk in that love, and that love will cast out fear, no matter what it is that causes us to fear, knowing that our Heavenly Father loves us now, and He will love us throughout all eternity. He has made provision for protection. He has made provision for security. He has made provision for every area of our lives as long as we live here on this earth. And we can be going through the raging sea. We can be going through the raging river. We can be going through the fire. And yet we can say, He loves me. He cares for me. He watches out for me. He knows what is good for me and what is bad for me. And he will do whatever he does for my benefit. Well, just consider that. Let's look at the story. Matthew chapter 14. Let's go ahead and read that again. Starting with verse number 22. And once again, let's look at and extract some of the things about how quickly faith and fear and our confession is tied to it how it can go one way or another just as quickly. And straight away Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. Now, if we just stop right there, when Jesus gives a command, he said, let there be, and there was. He created the heavens and the earth in the beginning, was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. When He speaks the Word, it comes to pass. When He speaks the Word, it's a command, whether it's creating the heavens or the earth, and the book of Hebrews in chapter 1, verse 3, that he's sustaining all things by the word of his power. Jesus spoke the word and the centurion's son <clears throat> was healed. And that's all he was told to do. Just say the word. I'm a man under authority. You're under the authority of God. I say to this one, go and to this one, come. He goes and he comes. Just say the word. 
So Jesus having said that, that should have been more than sufficient. That should have already imparted the confidence and the faith. Hey, Jesus told him, go to the other side. Whether we walk there, whether we swim there, whether we walk underwater, whether we fly through the air. In other words, Jesus has spoken and he said to get to the other side. Verse 23 says, And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. Now, let's stop and think. Jesus was always praying apart. Was he praying for his disciples that they wouldn't lose faith and that they would make it across? Remember, he prayed for Peter that he wouldn't lose faith when he knew that Satan was going to sift him and test him and try him. He knew that all of his disciples eventually, if the shepherd was struck down, they would be scattered. But right here, he went up into the mount. Was he praying because he knew he was now going to have to get to the other side and there was no more boat? Or was he praying because he was thanking God for everything that had taken place with the multitude and now he needed instructions as what to do next for the upcoming following events of either the night or the day uh, of, of things? Or was it just pure fellowship that he was having? Whatever it was, he went up there to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Now stop and think about it. It's not like today. Okay, you have your phone, you hit that little button, and you know, the the light comes on on the phone. and He's up there in the dark by himself. The multitude has already gone away. We're talking, you know, being out there. It's not like uh, every street corner was lit. He's out there by himself. And he's up on the mountain. He's got to come down that mountain. And he's got to join his disciples. So what's the next event? We go from there that he went up to pray. But it says, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with waves. How interesting. He's up there praying. Was he praying to resist the enemy that was going to try to destroy his disciples? All of them bunched up in one little ship? See, it's something to consider. It's something to consider because it involves a bigger picture than just simply uh, his disciples trying to make it to the other side. But the ship was now, see, it was in the present. Well, while Jesus is alone up on that mountain, the ship is now being tossed in the sea with waves and the wind is contrary. Everything, any, anyone ever had anything that is contrary to what you're going through. Let's look at the word contrary. It means opposite. It means against. It means antagonistic. Something that is against us. Something that is contrary to us. Something that is opposite to us is not hard to describe. Anything that involves contrary means it is different and opposing our lives. 
And it says in the fourth watch, and that is the third, uh, 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 three o'clock in the morning to six o'clock in the morning. So it's pretty dark. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Okay, remember, the wind, whatever type of storm, whatever's taking place on the water, it's dark. Jesus had no flashlight when he was up on the mountain. He had no flashlight when he came down the mountain. He has no flashlight while he's walking on the water. I want you to see this. What light is guiding him? Because whatever light guides him must guide us. Walk in the light as he is in the light. And we'll have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now stop and think for a second here. In the book of 1 John, what we have just read in chapter 1 in verse 7, that he mentions this, I'll, I'll read it again. It says, if we, <clears throat> but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, if we consider just what we have said there for a moment, what light was guiding Jesus? Just think about that. Was it a full moon? Could they actually see the full moon? Was it the stars? Was it a clear night? It says that the wind was contrary. It says that the waves, so whether it was a storm or whether it was a literal uh, uh, affecting of the wind and, and the waves that the, that the enemy was trying to destroy the disciples, it doesn't tell us, but it just says that they were, there was something contrary to them as there are so many things contrary to our lives and our spiritual walk with Christ. Well, the next event, it says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. And the word troubled here means they were stirred up. They were agitated, saying, It is a spirit. Notice what comes out of their mouth. Saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out. Out for fear. They were afraid. They were terrified. The word fear for phobos, it literally means something that causes terror. To be alarmed, to be frightened, to be afraid, to be put in fear. See, nobody walks on water, it's not natural. In fact, it's contrary to natural things. Ah, have we just hit a key? Then we must do things that are contrary to that which is contrary to us. 
Now consider that food for thought and for the imagination. It seems we've run out of time. Join us tomorrow. We'll continue with the story here and continue to extract as much as we can to learn from this object lesson that took place in the life of the disciples. But until then, the Lord richly and fully bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.